Welcome back to Friar Talk, everybody. Tonight, we're we'll going live talking about this Red Sox series and then kind of previewing the Washington National Series. I feel like we'll be talking a little bit more about where this team's at, kind of what we're feeling moving forward with them, just because there's been a lot of ups and downs, as we know. Um, and, you know, it, it finished on a good note. It, it felt like we were going to have a stream where it's going to be like, yeah, we got swept and this is really rough. And they go out and they finally have a little bit of an offensive explosion with the seven runs. Um, five of those runs coming within, with, you know, with two hits. Got to see some power. Got to see some extra base hits with guys on. So that was really good, really encouraging. But ultimately, main point of discussion is, is, is Sunday's performance going to carry over? And are we going to see this team kind of start to wake up a little bit? Now, they're going to have a nine-game road trip. Uh, that's what's coming. That's what's at the forefront right now going to be the nationals yankees and then the uh the marlins i want to say um so you got you know an, an east coast trip right now nine games in 11 days counting today so pretty tough you you would have wished that the that you would have won both series against the royals and the red sox it looks kind of terrible right now because i don't know that, that that's not what you're shooting for right there so i mean i don't know I, i'm feeling all right about this team in the sense of some things, but also like in terms of the lineup, like it's hard right now. So Isaac, before we kind of start digging into specific players and going over questions and stuff, what did you feel after the lineup after Sunday's performance? Cause I felt like it was finally like, an, okay, like finally something like some life. Uh, I mean, yeah, they put up seven runs. I think it was how many RBIs for a door, like four and then three for Carpenter, something like that. Um, Man, I don't want to sound too negative. I'm sorry if I sound too negative, but they still only had a hit or two with runners in scoring position. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy. Trust me. Like, I, I understand they put up seven runs. They look great. It was sort of an – when you look at just the scoreboard, it was an offensive explosion. But when you look at the opportunities that the Padres had with guys in scoring position, it could have been more than just seven runs. I think they won, like, one for six runners in scoring position. One so, for ten. One for ten with runners in scoring position. Uh, in a day where they scored seven runs, you would think they went like four for ten, something like that. They went one for ten. That's really that, that is that yeah that's that's really bad and um, it, it's I don't know man it's not really encouraging going into a road trip against yeah the Nationals aren't very good. Uh, Mackenzie Gore is pitching in one of those games, but the the Yankees are hot now. Um, I forgot the other team we play, but I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's not going to be easy, especially with all these games on the road. It's not like the parties look good on the road last time traveling as many miles as they did. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to say I, I'm not encouraged by this past Sunday's performance, especially coming off the two games before that were puke worthy. Um, those were two of the worst games I've seen the Padres play this year. Um, and not even just on the hitting side, you know, Joe Musgrove, Ah oh man, it's hard to say that. It was really just one bomb, but it was a three-run bomb. And the Padres haven't been able to put themselves in a position where they, they – I can't even think of a three-run bomb. They don't hit those. You know, they aren't able to, to capital or to put away teams. They're not able to come back with one swing of the bat, it feels like. if now Right now it feels like if we're down 3-0 early in the game, the game's over. And with the lineup that, you know, on paper it looks the way it does, that's not how we should feel. That's um, 
I mean, I think everyone in baseball feels that way. When the Padres are down 3-0, it should feel like a one nothing ball game with that lineup. But with the way the lineup's actually playing, it feels like a 5 6 nothing ball game. It feels like an insurmountable lead. And um, that's not a good thing, man. So, I mean, everyone's trying to find someone to blame. I've seen people blame the hitting coaches, uh, Bowmel, the players, AJ. I mean, there's blame everywhere to go. Uh, there's blame everywhere. The players, I don't think Bowmel deserves any blame. I think he puts up, puts out good lineups. I think he does what he can. Um, and, yeah, the players and, and maybe A.J. Preller are to blame for this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before, but, like, if you look at it, right, and you look at the lineup, I mean, I think feel like Saturday's game is, like, a more – a better representation of what the Padres season has felt like. You have two solo shots from Soto and Tatis. You have a, a crazy catch by Tatis that saves two runs. Because you, you mentioned Musgrove not playing well. I mean, yeah, he had, like, the big home run. He also just didn't look good. Like, like he had runners on throughout the whole game. It, it was it was bad. I, I don't know. So, I didn't think he looked very good. But, like, Tatis is making great plays. You know, Soto has a home run. Tatis has a home run. And, and there's just, like, nothing else. What would they finish that game with? I want to say it was three hits. Um and you look at where this team's at right now, and I saw I think I think Chase in it in our group chat. Let me see if I can find it. But it was basically saying like how terrible the Padres team has been in terms of here. Let me find it. Here it is. So it was yeah. Sure, the Padres. So this is before Sunday. Sure, the Padres are hitting 191 with runners in scoring position. That went down, um, which will also be the by far the worst mark ever in history. Um, but they're also hitting 223 overall, which would only be one of the 10 worst marks in the past 100 years. Well, they're playing bad. They're playing bad. So you start talking about like where the blame goes. Um, it's such a top-heavy lineup. And your side pieces, all the pieces that you bring in, we've talked about it before in terms of who could kind of get traded and stuff. You have basically three defensive guys in the lineup in Cronenworth, Kim, and Grisham. You have a very, very bad catcher in Austin Nola. And your DH spot, up until Sunday, wasn't producing. Nelson Cruz looked absolutely terrible that series. I mean, I brought up, I said I'd like to see more of Nelson Cruz. I'm taking that statement back, bro, because he looked so bad. Like, it was like, oh, man, dude. Like, just some rough at-bats. Really quick, like, three, four-pitch strikeouts. And it, it was just awful. So, you look at the lineup and you go, well, first off, we were wrong. Because the lineup isn't producing outside of those top guys. Now, Odor did, did get a big knock. That was nice to see, like, the depth doing something. But they're going to probably have to change it up a little bit. Because you have, like, five like five spots in your lineup. I mean, Cronenworth is struggling right now. But if you, if you don't bring him into that, like, it's still, like, four spots in your lineup. Like, you're getting no power out of your DH or your first base spot. And if you compare that across the league, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. So, I think that there's gonna be a lot of changes. I see where where is it? Gil, Gil said this earlier. The current roster isn't doing jack squat this year, but word on the streets is that major massive trades might be happening at the trade deadline. They have to. The problem is, who are you gonna unload? Who are you gonna move? Like you can't do that much. Now the good thing is, you have the star bats in place. Your starting rotation looks fantastic. Your bullpen's doing good. Um, guys that have got called up have been performing well. Uh, now, the thing is, at the bottom of the lineup, the depth of this team, it's 
it, it's got to improve. So whether that's calling guys up, whether, whether that's going to the waiver wire, because like, I mean, you, I mean, you can pick guys up and they can perform decently, but whether it's doing that, whether it's making a couple minor trades, whether it's moving off, off of Grisham, Cronenworth, or Kim, doing something like that to change it up, you're going to have to see that. Because unless guys really, really flip it up, like like flip it around, I, I don't really see that. So I don't know. Yeah. I uh, see a comment says, it's pretty simple. We have a Stars and Scrubs roster, and our Stars haven't, haven't played like Stars, and the Scrubs are indeed Scrubs. Stars have to step up. And and I agree with, I agree with the comment, except – for the fact that some of the scrubs on the team weren't supposed to be scrubs. Jake Cronenworth is playing like a scrub. He wasn't supposed to be one. Haseon Kim as well. And the thing with Haseon Kim is that his war is like on pace for like a five war or like a four something war. However, it's all defense. And the reason he was so valuable last year and why we essentially loved him was because he still had over like a 700 OPS, but his defense was phenomenal. But he also didn't have to do much on offense except for come up in some clutch situations because the, this offense wasn't this bad last year. It really was not anywhere near this bad. Um, and that's with much less talent, I feel like. Um, but yeah, Hassan Kim has been trash at the plate. Uh, yeah, I, I hate saying trash at the plate, but no power. Odor. Whatever depth, Odor, Dixon, whoever it is, trash at the plate. Cruz, trash. Carpenter has been trash. Nola has been trash. Uh, Grisham has been fuck like awful, like horrible. Like it, it cannot be emphasized. And it's funny because you know we're, earlier in the season everyone's talking about oh you know Trent Grisham if he can be around a seven thirty OPS seven thirty seven forty OPS guy he's going to be pretty valuable for the Padres and that he was when the Padres were good. That he was when the Padres were doing good earlier this season, he was a 730, 740 OPS guy. And then it all went downhill for him. And then we got no more production from the bottom of the lineup. So um, yeah, there's a lot of things wrong with this roster right now. The roster construction is is definitely not what it should be. Um, I don't think Cronenworth and Kim should be playing first and second. I think you put one at second. And I mean, we talked, we had a whole episode about this, but you I think you put one at second, trade the other. Um, you need to get an actual first baseman. You need to get a catcher. And I feel like that fixes a lot of things. Granted, it doesn't help that your center fielder is trash um, at the plate at least. But uh, I see when was the last time Grisham had a base hit? I want to see he's like two for his last. There was a stat I saw, man. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, uh, but it was like two for his last 38 or two for his last 40, I want to say. Um Correct me if I'm wrong, please, somebody. I just I just remember seeing that either about him or Cronenworth. I forgot who. Um, but, yeah, it's not Grisham and Kim don't have trade value. They have trade value. That's the thing. Is you can probably trade Grisham for – it's just hard because he has control. But even if he has control, if he sucks all those years, it's not worth keeping him. Um, but that's, what, that's where his value lies. Um, I don't know what you can get for him, but – the the trade idea I had tossed out to Matt and Chase was even though we don't need a starting pitcher, I think exploring uh, the trade market for Yasmani Grandal and Lucas Giolito uh, would be a pretty solid idea. Um, and it sounds like maybe that would be expensive and like we don't have the pieces, but both of their contracts are up at the end of the year. I don't know if Grandal has any arbitration years, but um, both of their contracts are up at the end of the year. They should not be that expensive. 
Um, Giolito has like a 3.62 ERA. Baseball savant looks pretty solid. Grandal, granted, he's not that good and he costs quite a bit of money, but at this point, man, you got to stop rolling Nola out there. Like, not even as a third catcher or anything. Your idea, your plan at the deadline should be have someone else be your catcher, have Campusano be your backup catcher, or get all the playing time, doesn't matter. And you just let Austin Nola go. I think he's shown that he's not a... I mean, right now it feels like he's a 4A catcher, a triple-A catcher. That, that's my honest opinion. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't really know. I don't really know who else the Padres can explore trading for. Um, an outfielder, I don't really know any outfielders on the market that can fill in that spot for Trent Grisham. I don't know many first basemen. Or, well, there's Jock Peterson if you want to throw Fernando out in, in center. Um I was actually just looking at trade options, man. I'll try pulling them up again, but I know it's only May and it's not time to explore the trade options yet. But of course, as a YouTube channel that wants to look at how the Padres can maximize their options, maximize their lineup, the only thing they can really do is take out Cronenworth and Kim from the same lineup, from the same infield, because only one of them should be playing second and try and get Nola and Grisham the least amount of at-bats, if not any. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it seems sad, but like <laughs> it's just realistic, and I see a lot of stuff. I mean, there's other ways too that you could improve that you could improve like the roster in terms of like bringing guys up and like doing stuff like that. So we'll, we'll get something out on that too, and just so, like immediate stuff. But I was like, you're talking about the trade deadline, I mean. Looking at where the Padres are right now, right now they're sitting eight games behind the division. They're five games um, under 500, and they're, they're only three and a half games out of the wild card spot. But it's more important about where they're at in the wild card spot in terms of like all of the non division leaders. They're like middle, lower, lower, lower middle of the pack. So you start thinking about it, and you're like, okay, well, right now, you know, Pittsburgh, I guess Pittsburgh's in a wild card spot and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, but so are the Brewers, the Mets, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies are ahead of you. Like so many of these teams are ahead of you. So it's like it's going to be really hard to make a splash in that sense. Um, so you got to look sooner than later because you can't just be like, well, they should be playing better. And like I, I saw, I think it was JDS. I think you you commented it, something about like that. Oh, uh, I don't know where it is. Basically something about like, how long is Siler going to keep AJ Preller employed? I mean, if they were to not make the playoffs this year, I do you think he would? You think he'd be fired, right? He would have to be. I'm not saying if he should or shouldn't. I, I, I AJ Preller just kind of like I don't know, bro. I feel like he has the same flaws always, so it's kind of frustrating because it's like he hasn't really improved in a lot of ways. I feel like as a GM, like he's good at some stuff and then he's really bad at other stuff, and like we're seeing it this year, like. The roster construction just wasn't done well enough. There were so many like Matt Carpenter, Nelson Cruz, and, and I thought the idea was cool. Like, oh, you could do this. But like Jake Cronenworth, the first base, all these different things where it's like, if you really look deeper into it, you could have seen how that wouldn't work out. And the thing that we really wanted them to try to do was to trade for Sean Murphy. I don't know if they really had like the capital to do that, right? But like they should. 
I mean, looking back on it, it doesn't matter what it would have cost it, bro. If you would have gave up Merrill, whatever, like that, that this team would be a lot different if you had Sean Murphy right now. Sean Murphy's been a beast for the Braves. So it's like, and you look at that position, it's almost like, it's almost like tied in in fantasy football, dude. It's like, do you have one of like the couple guys or your guy's just not good? And right now the Potters have a guy that's not like, no, not, not just not good. He's terrible. So it's just like an empty hole every time in the lineup. So it's rough. I mean, I don't know if you guys have looked too much into like where the stars have come up with runners in the scoring position. I feel like a lot of people feel like Soto's just been like awful. Soto's barely had opportunities with guys in runners with runners in scoring position. He's one of the lowest players on the team. He's like seventh or eighth on the team in art like uh, runners in scoring in runners in scoring position opportunities. So like he hasn't had enough enough at bats in those spots, and so that's why it gets so frustrating because it's like. You keep seeing Grisham come up with the basic. I mean, Grisham leaving nine guys on was was egregiously terrible the other day. So like, that's what keeps happening, and this lineup is just not deep. So they have to find a way to fix it to make it more deep, like to add depth. And you can do that by making little trades and stuff, but they need to happen sooner than later. So I don't think it's like even a trade deadline issue, dude. I think it's like something needs to change ASAP. And, and they kind of have got screwed with, like, different injuries of guys potentially coming up. But once Machado's back, because he should be back relatively soon, doesn't seem like it's going to be that serious. He's what? I think he's eligible. Is it 26? Is it Friday? I think it's Friday, right? Yeah, so 26, he's eligible to come back. They need him back ASAP because they need him to come back. They need to get Odor out of the lineup. And to start, you know, finding a way to kind of improve, he needs to just start balling out. Like that, like honestly, like they, they need Machado to play out of his mind because they can have a couple guys carry this offense for at least a couple months, but they need to go on a fat win streak. Like they need to go on a fat win streak sometime soon. Because if not, you're gonna be back for you know four games in August or September or something, and it's gonna be really hard to make the playoffs if that's the case. So We'll see what they end up doing with it all, but like, I think it's tough. I think, however, one bright spot though has been the bullpen. I feel like Isaac, you feel the same way, right? Like the bullpen's been really good. Um, I hope that maybe not. I hope, but there is a chance that Seth Lugo comes back and could potentially go back into the bullpen at some point, depending on you know what Ryan Weathers looks like. Ryan Weathers is starting uh, Wednesday, so he's looked pretty solid as a starter. If he could be your fifth starter. Walk has been good. I, I think Walk has really turned it around. I mean, he was struggling early on in the year. What what is his ERA sitting at right now? Because he just went back to back scoreless games, right? He's been fantastic, bro. It's actually kind of crazy how good he's been. Three I mean, five. Yeah, he's. He, what is he throwing? Three. I think the past three games like zero one and zero in terms of earned runs or one zero zero. He hasn't really allowed many hits either, and he's got like 22 strikeouts and 25 innings. That's not the best, but I mean, he's he's, he's been the best pitcher these past three times over the in the rotation. Um, yeah, I honestly don't really know. There, there's not much to say about these guys. We know what the problem is. That's the thing is is every Padres channel, Padres radio station, whatever it is, we're all going to be talking about the same thing because we know what the problem is. It's that they cannot hit right now. Um, and it's not just the guys at the bottom of the lineup. Xander Bogarts feels like an automatic out right now. Manny Machado, before he got hurt, felt like an automatic out. Jake Cronenworth, Haseon Kim, all these guys felt like automatic outs. 
there's only two guys in your lineup that didn't feel that way. And it was Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, but what your point about Manny Machado, no, you're absolutely right, man. It feels like this team rides with Manny Machado. It feels like they go, they go as Manny goes. And that's a weird thing to say because you would think maybe they can go as Fernando goes as well. That doesn't seem to be the case. It wasn't the case in 2021. Fernando was putting up an amazing season. They still had the biggest collapse in history. And this feels worse than the collapse. This feels so much worse. Um, but they need to pick it up, man. They need to they need to win this. It feels like they need to sweep the series against. Wow. So in in basically the biggest aspects of baseball, we are the worst offense. I mean, it's no surprise. It, it it doesn't, and that's the thing is, it doesn't feel like when you when you see those stats, you're not surprised because it legitimately feels like the worst offense in baseball in those statistics. Like you can say, we keep saying, oh, well, it won't last that much longer. Blah blah blah. You know, it's just a weird stat. It's just an unlucky stat. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like most of the time, it's not even they're not putting the ball in play. They're striking out. Um. I don't know. I feel like Jake Cronenworth has brought it up. Bob Melvin has brought it up. It feels like they take selfish at-bats when they're at the plate with guys on. It feels like they're all swinging for the bases clearing doubles, the bases clearing home run. And I think those will come. But there needs to be some sort of different approach at the plate right now. There needs to be a, let me put the, you know, there's a runner on third. Let me hit a ground ball to the second baseman. That's my goal right now. I want to hit a ground ball to the second baseman and get the runner in. That should be what the approach is right now. Even if you're Juan Soto, even if you're Xander Bogarts, I want to hit a uh, I want to hit a ground ball the other way to the second baseman so that Fernando can score, so that Juan can score. That should be the goal. I want to hit a fly ball to the center fielder. Whatever it takes to get that run across because they're having too hard of a time not getting that run across. I mean, what was it in that Dodger series? Fernando was Fernando hit or solely hit a double. Fernando hit a double. And then Manny hit a ground ball to third. Soto hit a ground ball to second. Xander struck out. Some some sort of order like that. That happened in the Dodgers series. And it's it's becoming a theme. You know, runner gets on. Someone hits a double. He doesn't get brought in. Someone strikes out. Another person strikes out. And another person grounds out. And unfortunately, it's the same guys. It's Matt Carpenter, Nelson Cruz, Trent Grisham, Austin Nola, Haseon Kim. It's all the same guys, and that's why it's been so hard for the Padres to score because the bottom of the lineup doesn't do crap with runners on. Not even bottom, middle also, but it's not like the top has been doing anything either. Xander's been awful lately. Juan Soto's runner stats of runners in scoring position aren't that great. Manny's were pretty solid, actually, surprisingly. Um, and then Fernando, they're okay. I mean, he's striking out, but they're okay. Yeah, I sigh because I'm pretty annoyed. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think I'd be this annoyed at the Padres already, but it, it's this isn't the type of lineup that you expect to go out there and only and be one of the worst lineups in all of baseball. Yeah, wow. Just from a little earlier, no yeah. slug, no slug. I mean, that's also a big problem. That was a big problem last year and early in the season too. Uh, we're winning a lot of games because our pitching was fantastic, but eventually, when the pitching started to wear off. Um, the Padres hit a hit a wall where they couldn't win that many games because they weren't able to slug. Um, but yeah, they're not able to slug right now. You expect guys like Xander, like Soto, like you expect them to be able to hit some home runs, like Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter, even though they're old. 
um, you expect them to be able to slug, man. And so for those blaming the hitting coach, you know, I don't blame you. It absolutely has to do something to do with that sort of offensive philosophy that they're implementing to the players, the offensive approach, because look, everyone loves basic clearing doubles and everything, but five through nine, none of them, almost none of them have the potential to, have not even the potential yeah the potential to do that consistently none of them do and none of them have shown that there has to be a change in the approach at the bottom of the lineup because i feel like those guys for as bad as they are are still having selfish at-bats they're having the at-bats <laughs> yeah they're having at-bats that feel like they're trying to get out of their own slump they're not trying to get the padres out of their out of their rut um but Let's see how it goes, man. Let's see how it goes to line up this upcoming road trip. Um, not that I'm expecting anything different, but if you're blaming the hitting coach, Ryan Flaherty's probably going to be here to stay because that's Manny's homie. So if you want to point a finger at someone that um, is influencing team decisions, there's a guy. Yeah, I also see something here. and I don't know. I don't really feel like I take a lot of blame. I'm not like trying to blame the hitting coaches as much just because like – Bro, it's like some of these guys just like – and it's not like him because like they also just don't have enough hitting coaches employed. They don't even have a true hitting coach. But the the approaches like you bring up, I don't think it's always there when guys are, are like hitting. I think specifically when guys are on base, they press so hard, so hard. They press like insanely hard. And it's like, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta gap this one. I gotta, I gotta take this one over the fence. Whatever it is, you're right though, dude. When was the last time you saw a sack fly? It has been a minute, dude. Like, I, I was watching. I didn't watch Sunday's game, so I just saw the score. And then I looked into it right now because I watched Friday and Saturday night, and they were brutal to watch. However, I didn't watch Sunday. I just saw seven zero. I'm like, okay, finally, like, you know, we brought some guys in. I saw a doors, you know, three run double. I saw Carpenter's two-run bomb. Like, okay, fine. There's some guys on base. We're doing something. Bro, we went one for 10 again. Like, that, I didn't realize that. I'm not even, like, encouraged by that game anymore. Like, I get, like, it's nice that you win, but, like, you can't really be encouraged because it's the same issue that's that's coming up. So, it's rough, dude. Also, I saw a, a, a comment about Nelson Cruz being 53 years old. Bro, before we got on, I asked Isaac. I said, Isaac, is Nelson Cruz older to is he closer to Bob Melvin's age than Fernando and Soto? I don't know if anyone has this off the top of their head. How old is Bob Melvin? Because I think Nelson Cruz might be like he's right in between their ages, which is actually like crazy. Because he's a good twenty years older than Tatis and Soto. He might be he might be closer to Melvin's age, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah. Okay, what about this? This is a hard one, dude. What's your new prediction for final record at the end of the season? 91 wins. With trades? With trades. I, I think, whoa, I don't know what just happened. But I think they're going to figure it out. Um, I want to say Matt's computer just died, I think. Um, he's no, coming back right now. Yeah, there you are. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll, go with, uh, I'll go with 91 wins, man. I mean, look. The Dodgers, I don't know if anyone remembers, 
the 2018 or whatever Dodgers that ended up getting Manny Machado started off their season 20 and 27. The Phillies started off their season the same way. The Nationals started off their season the same way. One more team. The Braves only won 88 games, started off their season kind of slow that year. I mean, I don't think this slow start to the season indicates how the Padres are going to end up in August, September. Um, 16 and 26, Justin says. It's even worse. So, look, I understand they're struggling right now. But the back of these guys' baseball cards shows that Xander is going to come around. Juan Soto is probably going to do even better than he is right now, except he's been really hot lately. Fernando is probably going to get back up to over a 900 OPS. Manny's going to come back and produce. Um, the rest of the lineup is kind of hard to predict. Obviously, you don't really expect much from Cruz and Carpenter, but maybe if Manny and Xander get going along with Soto and and um, and Tatis, you're going to see those other guys are going to see more pitches. I think something that's really bugging me right now is how often we're starting to see the Padres take pitches down the middle. It seems like they take pitches down the middle almost more than any team in baseball. Um, they're not capitalizing on mistakes, and that's something that when you look at teams that are at the top of the ranks in terms of swinging at pitches down the middle, it's the Braves, it's the Dodgers, it's the teams that have good records. They're capitalizing on mistakes, and we're not doing that. It seems like the Padres aren't being aggressive on pitches that they should be aggressive at, at on, whatever. Um, and they're swinging a lot at some balls out of the zone, especially with two strikes. They're getting fooled on sliders outside, low and, low and out. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that the Stars are going to figure it out. And if the Stars figure it out, the Padres are going to be dangerous because now the uh, the rest of the lineup is going to be able to start seeing more pitches. But with trades, you're going to be able to get hopefully one or two more bats. And that's when the Padres, I think, will capitalize. As long as the Padres are like, shit, what at the trade deadline? Maybe like five games over 500. Maybe two, two shit, two over 500 at the deadline. I think they'll make the moves to be able to at least minimum get the five. I think it's hard. You said 91. I think that's a lot. I see Flat keeps putting in here 85 and 77. I think that's pretty fair. I don't know if that gets you in the playoffs, though. That's like a everyone has to really not be that good at the bottom you of missed, the, the wild card spot. Last year, even with the 60, they would have missed the playoffs. By like a game or two. So it's close. I would say high 80s. However, I'll say that they, unless we see change, like either clear roster changes from the offense or we see some of these guys, not the stars. I'm expecting all the guy, all the stars to, to be fine. I'm expecting Soto, Tatis, Machado, Bogarts, all to finish the year with good numbers. Even though I'm gonna be honest, Bogarts is dude, Bogarts is kind of starting to scare the shit out of me because like he looks really good early on, and all of a sudden he's just been like bad lately, like really bad. And we just haven't watched him as much, so there's also that. Um, Soto's Soto was getting a little, it was a little bit nervous. Like I don't know, you're, everyone's kind of concerned at the beginning of the year, but like he's been a, a monster lately, and he looks. I don't want to say he looks almost normal because he's not hitting the ball to the opposite field still. But he is hitting the ball to the opposite field more than he was at the beginning of the season. And he's also just been absolutely raking lately. So there's that. But 
they're not going to make the playoffs if the bottom of the lineup is still performing how it is right now. Like they will, they will miss the playoffs. So that could fall down. You could be like barely a 500 team. If that's the case, I think we're going to see guys like Austin Nola. We're not going to talk about them in a couple of months because they're not going to be on the team or they're going to be, you know, last guy on the roster. I think one, maybe two of Trent Grisham, Jake Cronenworth, Hassan Kim, are going to be out of the starting lineup, whether that's they get traded or they become depth. I think that is bound to happen the way that they're performing right now. But then the question becomes, okay, who's replacing them? How good are they? If they're league average, bro, they're league average at hitting, you are that much better. So that's the thing. Like you're not, we're not being like, oh, the Padres, you know where the Padres need to go? Then they go trade for Otani. No, bro, it's not like that. It's like, dude, can we just get someone that can hit like a nice 720 OPS in center field? That would be fantastic. Because I don't think Grisham's that guy. I really don't. So that's why it's tough. It's really tough to, to predict the record. You brought up all those teams that, I mean, they're all like World Series teams, I think, that you brought up. And saying like, hey, like these guys, you know, they struggled early on. Uh, the Phillies last year were a great example of that. Because, dude, the Phillies sucked. They were horrible early on in the year. And their offense was a lot of that issue. Do You, you remember that, right? Like their offense wasn't producing like it should have at the beginning of the season. And then all of a sudden they got going and they balled out. You know, they had a World Series berth. They, they almost won the World Series last year. So I think that you have to see adjustments made. And maybe that's in-house, bro. Maybe, I don't know, dude. Maybe they call up Tim Lopez and he replace. I mean, he doesn't really play center. But I, like, I don't know. I don't even know, dude. I don't even know what it's going to happen. But I don't think the, the roster that you're showing right now gets you in there, gets you into the playoffs, gets you to 90 wins. But I don't think it's going to be the same roster. And I would be shocked. And you brought up that they would have to be like over two games, over 500. Dude, I think they would make a push even if they were like at 500. I, I, if they were like still like they could still salvage the season, I still think they're going to go all in. Because like AJ Peller's doing it for his job. That's the thing. That was almost like kind of like the thought last year was like, oh, yeah, they went and traded for Soto because it was like, dude, you better make the playoffs. You better have a run. So I think we'll see something like that too. But um, interesting here. I'm sad for Grish because he'll be good somewhere else if we get rid of him. Bro, I'm not even – that could happen. I, but is he ever going to be able to hit a fastball? Because he can't hit a fastball right now. And that's why I also think that a team's going to talk themselves into trading for Grish. I could easily see that. No, I, I could too. I think – I just don't think even if he does get good, he's never going to be able to hit for average. I don't think he – I don't think he fits kind of what the Padres need right now because what the Padres need at the bottom of the lineup is just someone that's going to put the ball in play and not strike out when when needed the most. That's the problem with Trent Grisham, man, is he strikes out a lot. And, yes, he can hit that sack fly, but it seems like more often than not lately he's getting struck out with guys in scoring position. So um, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm kind of thinking they need to trade for an outfielder, of course, but who's that outfielder? Would the Giants consider trading with the Padres? Because, I mean, we're in the same division, so it's not like they really need to trade with us. And they're, I think, ahead of us in the standings right now, at least. I don't think it'll be the the case come July. But if if Jock was available, I'd love to see the Padres try and make a push because I I honestly think he'd be a good addition to the lineup. Yes, he's not the best out defender in the outfield, but thinking defense thinking about defense is what got us here in the first place so um 
And when I say that, I mean thinking, oh, well, Grisham is a plus defender, so he'll be fine. Kim is a plus defender, so he'll be fine. Moving Cronenworth to first, that's a plus defender. You can't have more than one or two plus defenders in your lineup. You need to have guys that can mash. So I think if you can get Jock, um, which, again, I doubt it just because he is in the division. But if you can get Jock and trade him, trade for him, I don't know what it would take. But um, he's expensive, at least when you look at his salary. And I think he's only on a one-year deal. So maybe it wouldn't take that much. Maybe it would just take a mid-level prospect maybe. But you end up plugging him in to the outfield uh so you'd go maybe uh, i hate to say this because i don't want to see tatis in center but i don't care anymore um tatis in center juan in right jock in left whatever and that leaves you of course you still have kim in the infield and you still have Cronworth at first base um but i mean they'd have to figure it out somehow because maybe maybe against against righties you can have Grisham out in the outfield, but you'll have Peterson DH or DHing. Um, or I don't know. They gotta figure something out, man. Because somehow, some way you cannot have three plus defenders in your lineup. You can't do it. Um, but obviously trading Kim or Grisham solves that. And I think AJ knows that's what he's gonna have to do. And I know it's gonna hurt like hell for AJ because it seems like he likes Grisham and everyone loves Kim. I don't care who gets traded. And I think Iron Swan had a comment up here. Uh, what to say? What to say? It was a really good. It was actually pinpoint how I felt. I want Grisham gone the most, but we have zero outfield depth and plenty of depth in the infield, so I don't think he's going anywhere. It's exactly what I think. That is exactly why I think Haseon Kim makes the most sense to trade. I'm telling you, a team is going to eat up at the fact that, yeah, money too. I mean, yeah, he's only seven million, Kim. Um. But a team is going to eat up at the fact that he's on pace to put up over a four war, that he's a very valuable defender. I could easily see a team that has good enough bats but is looking for a decent hitting second baseman that has a plus glove. I could easily see a team like that trading a lot for him. Or they need a shortstop. That too, yes, because he does play. He plays third base, he plays shortstop, he plays second. I mean, I could see all of it. I think both of them could be. Tra- I I think one of them is very likely to get traded. I think both of them is not out of the question either, because one. I mean, you don't even have to talk yourself into trading for Kim. Kim is a valuable player. He's just he's just too redundant with Cronenworth and the Padres' problems. He, he doesn't fix the Padres' problems, you know. Like, and also like he's clearly the odd man out of the infield now with signing Bogarts. That's the other thing of that too. Like that's that almost like put the writing on the wall that one of Cronenworth or Kim was going to be gone when they signed Bogarts. And then they proceeded to extend Cronenworth, which means that Kim is probably, I thought they, I thought they would keep him to his contract. I thought that was kind of like most likely would happen. Someone will definitely want, will definitely covet Kim a lot, but someone's going to talk themselves in the trading for Grisham, dude. And that's the thing. Like, you might see, like, boom, the Padres trade Kim, boom, they trade Grisham right after. Like, it might be a back-to-back, like, they have two deals in place, and then all of a sudden, like, their whole, like, bottom of their order looks totally different. They, you know, they do something like that. Um, but 
yeah, well, it's going to, we, we have so much to talk about in terms of these trades and stuff. I also want to bring up Solaire. You bring it up, Jock. We know the style of player that we need, dude. Hunter Renfro, the Angels probably aren't going to sell, but like, Hunter Renfro would be a nice pickup. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, we know, we know who we need and we know, unfortunately, who we need to get rid of. I mean, let's be realistic. For everyone who loves Kim, I see someone's talked about money for us on Kim. I mean, I could care less about that. But the Potters really like Jackson Merrill. They extended Jay Cronenworth. Where does that leave Kim? If if it doesn't seem like the Padres think there's a future with Haseon Kim, so what's the point? What's the point of keeping him around? For what? What if we're not going to be winning? There's no point of keeping him around if we're not winning. If he can provide us some, if he can give us something in some sort of trade value, and he can net us a net positive piece that gets not only him but Grisham out of the lineup or Nola out of the lineup. That's a W. I don't I don't care what it's gonna take. Like get rid of Kim, get rid of Grisham. I don't care. I know, you know, obviously Grisham's not very favored among Padre fans. I know Kim is. And for as much, you know, I know he's super favored. I know the players love him, but at the end of the day, this is a business. And if if Getting rid of Grisham mean or not Grisham, sorry. If getting rid of Haseon Kim means that you can plug in someone with over an 800 OPS in your lineup, I'm doing it. That's what Jock has. He has over an 800 OPS right now, and he consistently does. So, I don't know, man. We'll see what the Pies want to do. Um, but you you can't afford. I, I, would, I honestly want to see them both gone, Matt. I really do because – I think we were advocating over the offseason for at least one of them to be gone. And right now, I'd be happy with both. So, I got to bring this up. Where is it? HWS, what is Carpenter being paid? Is he cheap enough to DFA? So, I looked it up. Matt Carpenter is making $6.5 million this year. And he's a player option next year for five and a half million dollars. Why in the world was this a deal that like, bro, what? Because Matt Carpenter was like, look at Matt Carpenter's numbers, dude. He was bad. He was bad. Besides last year in his 47 game stint on the Yankees where he was good. The previous three seasons before that, he was under a 730 OPS and he was a 720 a 630 and a 580 in more games in like, you know, like 300 game sample size, 300 plus game sample size. He's also 37 years old. That is like, I remember it was a couple streams ago. People were talking like Kim has developed enough to make $7 million, bro. They tossed Carpenter six and a half, a two year deal at over 37 years old. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's the forget everything else, bro. There's the DH is a is a dead spot in the lineup. DH is a dead spot. So I don't know, man. That's that's not. So yeah. Definitely yeah, Ingle got a million for six at bats, too. Yeah. 
I see Zach asks, what are you getting for a package with Grish and HSK? I kind of think that diminishes the value of them both. I think you need to let go of them both in a separate package. Um, I mean, I I honestly think if you can get like a first baseman out of Grisham, you do it. The problem is Grisham has control, so maybe you can probably even get a bit more. Um, as far as Kim goes, I mean, I don't know if the White Sox would want him. But I was talking about Giolito and Grandal earlier. And uh, if Kim can be involved in a trade like that, I'm pulling the trigger immediately. And, oh, he talking? Sorry, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. And I understand that, you know, Grandal's not the best bat and he's kind of expensive, but I, I, I swear, guys, I would do anything to not see Austin Nola behind the plate no more. Austin, like, it's arguable we have the worst catching core, the worst catchers in the league, right? I mean, it, it can't be debated. I can't think of a single group that is worse in all of baseball. We have the worst catching group. We have one of the, easily one of the bottom five hitting, maybe the worst hitter in baseball, the worst 10 hitters in baseball in Trent Grisham. Hassan Kim brings zero power. I mean, dude, this is a dead and, and Carpenter and Nelly are they they suck right now. Um, I don't know if they'll be fine, but um, yeah, I mean, the sun's gotta happen, man. It's gotta happen soon because we we're eight games back right now, and it's only May. It's only the middle of May, and we're already eight games back. It wasn't this. This wasn't the case in 2021. And this wasn't the case in 2022. We are already eight games back with a roster that's supposed to be better than both of those against a roster that's supposed to be worse than the previous two. So, I don't know. That's all I have to say. I kind of want to go eat some food, so I think that'll do it for me. Yeah, man, let's let's take off. Um, we'll, we'll bring up some ideas of, like, what we can do in terms of, like, changing up the roster and stuff. But I'm just – I'm – I'm honestly just shocked about that Carpenter deal, bro. Like, he was like a reclamation project almost, like, basically this year. And they, I looked it up. Dude, Will Myers makes less money than him. You could have made everyone happy. You could have put Will Myers at DH. Will Myers can go play other spots. Think about how bad Grisham is, right? Say that you signed Will Myers as your DH, but he's also depth. You could have tossed him in right and moved Tatis to center in theory. What what the hell? Like what 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 was that? I don't know, dude. I okay. I, we gotta go because I'm I'm gonna lose my mind over AJ Preller's money management right here, dude. Because it just doesn't make any sense that some of these some of these contracts, some of the way that guys guys are signed and like disposed of too. So, all right, guys, we'll talk to y'all soon. Um, nice forty five minute rant today. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about some other stuff throughout the week, and and we'll be going live on Thursday and uh, Thursday evening as well. So make sure to tune in then, but. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you all soon, and have a great night.